0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Viewed to be the best.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon
0: Adams. So happy to have you here today. You know, we're going to start today with a little bit of an admission. When I have... A agenda, I want to make you aware of that. And from the very top today, I kind of want to make you aware of a little bit of an agenda that I have coming up in just a few minutes. I'm going to do what I can, at least attempt to, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I'm going to attempt to bring two warring factions together. Here around Dog Nation, battle lines have been drawn, but today it ends. And that was the dramatic fist on the table for emphasis today it comes to an end and listen I don't hide my agenda when I have one I'll let you know I'm going to telegraph this that in a couple of minutes we're going to do everything we can to bring folks together to reunite dog nation unity in the community we are going to do that here in just a couple of minutes time before that we got to give UGA a lot of credit because I told you this a lot last week, that I thought that this particular Saturday, Neyland Stadium, high-powered Tennessee offense, I thought it was going to be a real challenge for Georgia. Now, ultimately, the final score wasn't as close as I thought it probably would be, and as a Georgia fan, I'm really glad to be wrong about that. But the overall premise of, hey, good offense playing at home and that stadium going to be loud despite the fact that Tennessee had lost a few games Kirby Smart himself had said they were gearing up to be really tested by that home environment against Tennessee all that turned out to be true it's exactly the way we kind of thought it was going to be but it's a Georgia team that's just ready for whatever circumstances are thrown towards them and if you're a UGA fan right now I hope you're having as much fun watching this team as I am I hope that you are living in the moment and appreciating everything that is unfolding with the same level of enjoyment that I am because college football is rarely this much fun. College football rarely provides you this much enjoyment to have a team that you feel confident and you can look at people who are closer to this situation than you are and even closer to the situation than I am. You can look at their evaluation of this and you are you are left to, to really appreciate just exactly what George is doing. I want to go back in time here just for a moment. Let's go back to Thursday show. I played you a brief clip at the time of Kirk Herbstreet from the ESPN College Football podcast. And I think that Herbstreet at the time really echoed something that needed to be said. That a lot of folks think that George is number one right now simply because it's also the best recruiting program. And that Kirby Smart has stacked so much talent and there's so much depth. and obviously that is true but 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 it's beyond that it's more than just the talent that's not the only reason why that Georgia has been as good this season as it has and Kirk Herbstreet identified that last week he had a very specific way of describing that and I think in light of what we saw on Saturday what Herbstreet said a week ago that we also played for you at the time I think this serves as a pretty good reminder to get started for this week so this is Kirk Herbstreet saying Hey, based on the conversation that I've had, based on my own eyewitness account of being in the stadium when Georgia's played this season, this is the reason why the Dogs are number one right now. Quick reminder from Herb Street, and that'll set us up for what happened on Saturday.
2: For all SEC fans, remember this. Georgia is not just a talented team that Kirby and his staff have gone out and recruited great players. Please remember this. Georgia is Georgia this year because guys like N'Kobe Dean, that the hardest-working players on the Georgia roster are the best players, just like Alabama last year with Mac Jones in that group, Landon Dickerson, all those great players, Najee Harris, all those got Devontae Smith. They, want, they, they couldn't get enough of practice. They couldn't get enough of the film work. They couldn't get enough of seven-on-seven seven with no coaches around. That's when you have an elite team. Georgia has that this year. And you can't coach that. You just have to hope it comes together. So always remember that about Georgia in 2021. It's not just elite talent. They have that. But they have elite intangibles.
0: So I think you can sum up everything that Kirk Herbstreit said right there very succinctly. That a collection of elite talent has become an elite team because of elite intangibles. What are intangibles? Those things that you can't measure. The things that are just true, even if you don't know exactly why they are true or exactly know what is true. Intangible is another way of saying vibe. There is just an elite vibe around Georgia that has created an elite team, it's taken elite talent and it's gotten that talent to work together to commit to something larger than themselves and the results are there for you on display. It was produced again on Saturday against Tennessee. And the reason why I play what you just heard from Kirk Kerbstreet, the notion that elite talent becomes an elite team by just creating this elite sense of intangibles, this elite vibe that exists around the team, is because Kirby Smart in his own way kind of said the same thing clearly Kirby Smart was very well aware of what I talked a lot about last week that George would face a challenge against Tennessee that the stadium was going to be loud the offense was going to be good that Josh Heupel was going to be drawing up all kinds of creative plays on the chalkboard to the extent that teams still even use chalkboards, that this was going to be the thing that Tennessee was going to try to do and that Georgia, after kind of sleepwalking a little bit through Missouri, especially early in the game, that was, was Georgia still as plugged in? Was Georgia still as committed to being great now as it was early in the season? Has fatigue set in? Has Has complacency set in? Is there something about this team now that's less dialed in than it was for other bigger games earlier this year? I love what Kirby Smart said about all of that after the game on Saturday, really echoing what Kirk Street himself had said that he noticed about UGA. This is why George was so good in Neyland Stadium on Saturday. Great stuff from Kirby Smart immediately after the game.
3: I can't say enough about the leaders on this team. You know, after that game against Missouri, to have three guys stand up in the locker room, And I don't know what we won, 40 to six or whatever. I don't even know what the score was. But they they said that it wasn't acceptable the way we approached the game, the way we handled the game. And I knew right then that we were going to be okay this week. Now, I still worried a lot. But those guys said, everybody better be in there to lift. Everybody better be on time. And it just took over the team. And it permeated through them all week. And I thought Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we had really good practices. Um, Tough place to play. I think the way the game started, they start that way on a lot of people. And we talked to our guys about taking their best shot, Um, but we didn't come up here to take shots. We came up here to throw them. And uh, our offense came right back with a huge drive, which I thought was huge for us to start that way. It gives the defense some confidence and uh, let us get our feet underneath this kind of, did a tremendous job and uh, proud of the way the guys played.
0: This has been a great year worth of quotes from Kirby Smart. You had at the very beginning of the year, you're either elite or you're not. We had lots of mileage out of that one. That was a terrific one. Then later on, it was, we're not practicing to beat somebody. We're practicing to beat everybody. I think that's what he said. Uh, That was a great quote. But I don't know anything was as good as the one that he just said there, which was, we didn't come up here to take a shot. We came up here to throw some. Is that not terrific? I mean, is that not as good as it gets right there? That Georgia, at this stage of the game, at this stage of the season, even though they're number one, even though they got the bullseye on their back, they're not in a crouched defensive conservative posture. They're in an aggressive offensive posture. They're not looking to absorb a blow. They're looking to strike a blow. They're looking to, to, uh, to take the fight to someone, even though as the number one team in the country, everyone wants to take the fight to them. And the way that Georgia played on Saturday, I think, demonstrates that really is true. And you can't miss this. And I know that when Smart says some of those type of things, it kind of comes across as the sort of typical coach speak, well, what else is he going to say? But that's not the way Kirby operates. Kirby Smart does not run around tossing platitudes and compliments all over the place when he doesn't mean them. In fact, sometimes when the media tries to pin him down on a compliment, he'll do anything he can to keep from having to do that. He does not like throwing around hollow praise when he says... Uh, I was so impressed with my leadership when he, when he said before about how tremendous the week to week, day to day approach this team has taken. These are not the kind of things that Kirby Smart would say unless he truly meant it. And I don't think that Kirk Herbstreit in the clip I played for you before, and I said this to you last week, I don't think Her- Kirk Herbstreit would be talking about elite intangibles, the fact that the hardest working players on the team are also the best, most talented players. I don't think Kirby Smart, I should say, I don't think Kirk Herbstreit would be saying that if Kirby Smart didn't tell him that. This is how strongly Kirby Smart feels about this right now. Now, the caveat to all of this, of course, is it doesn't guarantee anything because I'm sure the other teams that are going to be in the college football playoff are the team that Georgia is going to face in the SEC championship, now more likely Alabama than it was going into this past Saturday. But uh, I'm sure they feel pretty good about what they're doing this time of year, too. You can't guarantee anything. But there is an obvious reason why Georgia's number one right now. And there is an obvious reason why Georgia, Georgia's status as number 1 team seems to feature a chasm between it and the other teams that are its would be competitors. Talent's a part of it and the statistics that speak the story of the domination that's a part of it. But it's the intangible stuff, the the leadership stuff. The fact that this team seems to be able to find that will to recommit itself to 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 find a situation where even a blowout win, I eh, just weren't quite so happy. Even in a blowout win against Missouri, yeah, we could have done this a little bit better. And even with the idea of this is a Tennessee team with upset on its mind. This is a Tennessee crowd that wanted to make an impact. This is a Tennessee offense that wanted to try to exploit Georgia for, for some big plays. That With all of that potentially going on there, this Georgia team said, we're ready for it. We're not just here to take your best shot. We're, we're here to throw some shots, too. And Georgia did on both sides of the ball. It was fun to watch. It was great to see. And when you think about what's on the way for Georgia after a couple more weeks with the regular season games, SEC championship, college football playoff after that, I think you have to say right now that Georgia looks about as ready as it ever could. It's time to get buckled up. It's time to get taped up. It's time to get ready to go. This is that moment, and Georgia appears to be ready for it. My name's Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video. 9.45 9.45 a.m. we begin for our first in 15 there on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. Then at 10 a.m. it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all those video platforms, podcasts all across the galaxy really with every podcast platform you can think of. Apple, Spotify, everything else. Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. We come up for you right there as well. Just a bunch of ways to find the show, and we're we're glad you find it no matter how it is that you're able to do that. Also, big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia, for making it all possible. You know, Pella Window and Door of George can help equip your house with energy efficient windows and doors. I think about that so much this time of year because it can be really cold outside. Uh, it was cold up in Knoxville on Saturday for sure. And when you got that heat on, especially this year, heat's just expensive. You know, gas bills, things like that going up. Uh, energy bills are, are pretty high. At least they have the potential to be very high this winter. That means. The energy that your home is producing on the inside, you don't want that seeping out to the outside. And that cold air that's on the outside, that's where you want to keep it. Not on the inside of your house. You want to keep it on the outside where it belongs. That's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia can do for you. Also, they can offer you great savings there as well. Between now and November 27th, you can get 40% off qualifying installations or payments as low as $99 a month when you make regular payments. You can also get a great uh, consultation that will walk you through all the installation options you have for you and all the different choices that you can make to really get what's best for your home. That's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia provides. Also, a couple ways to get in touch. You can hit him up on the website, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. Or give him a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella Window Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, in a little bit, it's going to be John Stinchcomb. We will do a classic city logger insider update with John. And we'll talk about everything from Saturday's game against Tennessee, plus everything looking ahead for George for the next few weeks. It's a big time of year. It's that crunch time of the season. We're getting ready for it at least. John Stenchgum's going to help us do that. Before that though, I want to go around the doghouse. And around the doghouse today is assisted by our friends at AAA. By the way, I will make use of AAA here today. I talk about this all the time that I need their legendary roadside assistance. You know, we had a little bit of a car issue with my wife here today and so we're kind of scrambling on that it's just another reason why I'm always thankful to have AAA their legendary roadside assistance but that's not all they can do for you I'll tell you more about what AAA can do for you in a minute but first I gotta talk to you about this so there was a very weird moment at the near the end of the CBS broadcast in the fourth quarter on Saturday and it's gotten a lot of attention so I was happy to see at the game but as I'm Driving back from Knoxville yesterday, I'm in the passenger seat, Jeff Sintel was driving, and as we're kind of, you know, just kind of coming back home, I'm kind of following what what people are saying on social media, what they're saying to me and everything else, and there was a lot of talk about what the CBS broadcast said. So I went back like late last night, and I went to my DVR, and I, you know, found the spot in the game where this happened, and I just put my recorder up there, and I recorded this. So this is going to be the audio recording, It's about 60 seconds long. Now, here's the context for what's happening. This is a regular sideline report in the fourth quarter with Georgia up big. So you're going to hear Brad Nessler, the play-by-play broadcaster, throw to the sidelines with Jamie Erdahl who's going to do an update on the Georgia quarterback situation involving Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels. And that's going to prompt Nessler to say one or two things. It's going to prompt Gary Danielson to say one or two things. And the entire nature of the conversation has just gotten a lot of attention from Georgia fans since it occurred. Frankly, it's not obvious what it means but it appears to mean something. So this is like an audio recording of a TV broadcast, the natural sound, you're gonna hear that, the bands playing. So it's not like you know, perfect crisp pristine audio, but I think you should be able to make all of this out. This is Jamie Erdahl, Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson from CBS on Saturday night talking about JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett, the current situation. I think this is a real conversation starter for Dog Nation. Take a listen to this.
3: They get kind of tired of trying to tackle number three late in the game. Jamie? Well,
2: you mentioned potential seeing JT Daniels here in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of commentary about this quarterback dynamic, and Kirby Smart has maintained confidence in both of these quarterbacks. And I feel it's important to tell everybody that the dynamic between Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels on the side starter jt supports him in a way that all quarterbacks do talking over indicators of coverage and what they're seeing but it's it's not as if these two are still battling the team understands that this is stetson's spot and jt is working with him hand in hand
3: we saw jt's parents steve and ali outside the hotel this morning is going to get another first down and get into tennessee territory this is the first week that he's felt good enough there's his mom and dad you can't look more like your dad than you <laughs> <laughs> he, does. he does but uh they said that this week Jordan Palmer his personal quarterback guru coach whatever you want to call it flew into Athens and they kind of went through all his mechanics and all that trying to get ready for the end of the season
2: so now JT Daniels has to be ready is there going to be a game you know when when is it is it going to be the SEC championship game or playoff game where they may need him and that's the discipline he has to do he owes it to his teammates to be ready if it's needed
0: So there is a lot there. And the best I can tell, there are four very newsy things that come from those three voices on CBS talking. The first one, and probably the most significant thing, is Jamie Erdahl saying that the Georgia team knows the competition's essentially over. That Stetson Bennett has won the competition, that the team knows that Bennett's the quarterback, and Daniels is working to help Bennett this is not an ongoing competition. I think when you hear Erdahl say that, she says that pretty explicitly. Then you have Brad Nessler. And if you're watching the game, what you hear Nessler say is, this is the first week that JT Daniels has felt good enough, and then he stopped. And the reason why he stopped is because at that point in time, they put the graphic of Daniels' mother and father on the screen and seeing the, the, the face of Daniel's parents, who Nestler and Danielson said they had a chance to speak to uh, at the hotel there in Knoxville, causes him to stop his train of thought, and he doesn't finish that, that point. But he's about to say, this is the first week that JT Daniels has felt good enough to, and we don't know, good enough to, to, to do what? But you, what you can, I think, take from that is, prior to this, Daniels apparently hasn't felt good enough to do something. So now do you start adding this together that the competition is over? That's what Jamie Erdahl says. And the reason why it is over, according to Brad Nessler, is because JT Daniels hasn't felt good enough to do something. You don't want to read too much into that, but but that's kind of what goes on there. I also think it's interesting that the idea that Jordan Palmer, a lot of you know who Jordan Palmer is, uh, former quarterback himself, quarterback coach, uh, comes to Athens to work with JT Daniels. But the specific word here means something to me. The idea that he's come here to work on mechanics, throwing motion, I think you're left to assume that's what the word mechanics means right there. Uh, I I think you would have to assume here that he's not going to be working extra on his mechanics unless he felt like something was not quite right with his mechanics. Now, what is that? I, I I don't quite know, but but you know this is not the kind of thing that would probably be done lightly coming all the way across the country to get extra work on mechanics unless he felt like that was something that needed to be done. Then you hear at the end there Gary Danielson saying that it's JT Daniels' job to be ready. It's JT Daniels' job to be ready in the event that Georgia needs him. Do you take from that, well, does that mean that he hasn't fully been ready before this? People say, well, he played in the Missouri game. There's a difference between playing some and being ready to to be the guy to play the entire game and have the entire hopes of a national championship season resting on your shoulders. So, honestly, I'm not quite so sure I'm comfortable saying what exactly all of this is, nor am I willing to sort of openly speculate on the rest of it. But I do think you can take, if we take Erdahl and, and, and Nestler and Danielson seriously whatsoever, I do think you can take a couple of things from this entire ordeal, and this is kind of where I get into, uh, you know, what my agenda is for today. I think it's time to bring all the Dog Nation back together. This is our Dog Nation unification moment, where if you've been like pro JT Daniels and saying that JT Daniels got to be reinserted back as the starting quarterback uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs, and you would have some good reasons to make that argument. Or if you're the other side, Stetson Bennett's been the guy that George has relied upon all year long. He's got to be the guy you hit your wagon to for the rest of the college football uh, season, into the college football playoff. And you would have some good reasons to feel that way. No matter which side of this you've been on, I think it's time to come together. I I I think it's time to come together and say, hey, under one roof, under one umbrella, Dog Nation unification, it's one team, it's one dream, it's everybody doing the same thing here again. Because the one thing I think you can clearly say on the basis of all this stuff from CBS that's kind of not going on is that somehow Kirby Smart's looking at a JT Daniels that's the same JT that he thought he had in spring practice or maybe still thought he had in the summer and saying, you know what, I don't need this guy. I'm pushing this guy aside. Stetson Bennett's the guy that I'm going to ride with here. Even though JT was the same guy he always was, we're just going to push him aside. We're going to go with uh, Stetson Bennett. It doesn't quite seem like that's what's going on. And so to the, to the Georgia fan, there are some of these out there. And you know some of these people. Frankly, there may be one or two of these people in the media there as well. You just sort of sense this is true. That it's almost like they're rooting for Georgia to fail because they're so invested in their stats, I should say in their JT Daniels take that they want to be able to jump out and say, see, I told you so. See, I told you so. They hope it goes wrong for Georgia so they can say, see, I told you so, that they really should have been playing JT Daniels all along. It's time to take the see-I-told-you-so sword and drop it to the ground. Because the thing that you want to tell us apparently isn't true. The thing that some of you want to tell us is that egotistical Kirby Smart wants his guy over JT Daniels. He wants the walk-on. He wants to show that he'd go out there and win with the lesser quarterback. He's enamored with the story or whatever it is that Kirby Smart supposedly is. He wants to be able to do that. And once that fails, I'm going to jump back into the message board or comment section or social media or whatever else and say, see, I told you so. It's time to drop the see, I told you so sword because the thing you're wanting to tell us apparently isn't true. Unless three people on CBS were lying, apparently that's just simply not true. And on the flip side of that, there are some people that are so invested in, you know, the Stetson Bennett part of this story and so aggressive in wanting to prove the pro-JT Daniels faction wrong that they now want to make a villain out of Daniels as a way of protecting the narrative they've chosen to buy into. And some people are like, well, JT just can't get healthy. JT's just whatever, whatever, whatever. But that doesn't have to be true either. Here's the the one thing everybody's got to understand. And after this, I'm going to shut up. Not every story has to have a villain. There is clearly a story going on with George, the quarterback spot. JT Daniels used to be the starting quarterback. Now he isn't. I've told you before, don't let anybody tell you this isn't weird. It's absolutely weird. This is very bizarre. And anybody who tries to act like it's not is kind of gaslighting you a little bit. Of course, this is weird. Of course, this is bizarre. But just because it's weird doesn't mean it's being handled wrong. And some stories simply don't have a villain. There doesn't necessarily have to be a villainous Kirby Smart who's so enamored with his own coaching genius that he thinks he doesn't need JT Daniels, nor does there have to be a villainous JT Daniels who somehow has decided that he's not I don't even know what the story there would be, but somehow soft or not tough or whatever else. I mean, we don't have any reason to think anything other than the best about everybody involved in the situation. Of course, Kirby Smart would want to choose the best quarterback available to him. And if Daniel somehow hasn't been healthy enough to be that guy, why would we not assume that he's not right now working as hard as he can to be that? And Stetson Bennett, who in the midst of all of this has given Georgia very competent, very capable quarterback play, why wouldn't Georgia fans just sort of appreciate that? That there is no villain here. There is at least we have no reason to assume there is. Not all stories have to have one. This is simply Georgia making the best of the situation that it's in. And what's frustrating, and even for me, this is frustrating. We may never be clearly have it explained to us exactly what has gone on here. All parties involved have a right to, you know, some level of secrecy, and it seems like they're taking that right here, right now. But enough kind of creeps out into the public to let us know that maybe the, 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 the kind of stark, simple caricature that sometimes gets drawn by some Georgia fans and message boards and social media, there's enough evidence to suggest that isn't true. So I told you before, I had an agenda. My agenda today is dog nation unification. On the basis of what CBS said right there, can we all come together? Can we all now say that Georgia – there we go. Look at that. How about dog nation unification? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Mark and Catherine Richt uh, kind of representing that there uh, a little bit. Hand in hand. That's the way that Georgia fans need to go walking through the, rest of the way. And, I, and obviously, I'm halfway being you know silly and sarcastic when I say that. But the ultimate point I, I'm, I'm being kind of real about here is, is that there is not enough evidence for the fight that has been happening to continue. Because the people who were kind of drawn in these like opposite directions, you don't have enough evidence to support the point you're arguing for. That it is weird, but just because it's weird doesn't mean it's wrong. That is around the doghouse, and it is assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I told you before, I use AAA all the time because when the car breaks down, I have no idea what to do for that. So I'm always thankful the AAA can come over and help me and get me where I need to go, or help me get my wife where she needs to go. I'm really glad for that. We're driving back from Knoxville, or going. Uh, from Grayson High School to Knoxville and all the things that you're doing on a uh, busy weekend, AAA goes with me everywhere I go. But that's not the only thing I want you to know about AAA. They are also the ones that you turn to for legendary roadside assistance, but beyond that, also auto insurance there, too that when you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. And I told you before, bills are going up. Everybody knows that. You know That's a topic for a different show and a different time. But the fact of the matter is all of us are having to dig deeper to pay for the things that we have going on in our lives right now. That means wherever you can find some money, Uh, that's a good decision for you to make. That means if you can make your auto insurance cheaper, well, then obviously you're making the right choice for you and your family. So when you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to find them online, aaa.com slash auto insurance. That's aaa.com slash auto insurance. You can find exactly what's going on with them there on that. All right, this is gonna be a fun show for us because before we are done, we got a lot to do as far as making fun of Florida, both for what happened, on Saturday. The one story that Florida can't seem to make go away. Uh, We'll have some fun with that before we're done. So a lot of mockery of a program right now that's very much worthy of that mockery with the Florida Gators. That's going to be good. But for now, I want to get some thoughts from John. We just talked about there from uh, the CBS broadcast on Saturday, the quarterback situation. Also celebrating when I thought, really all in all was a pretty good day for the Georgia Bulldogs and a little bit of an offensive line question there too. So we're going to cover a bunch of ground with John Stinchcomb. It's our Classic City Logger Insider Update. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a dognation.com insider. Say hello to John Stinchcomb. Insider Update with him presented by Classic City Logger. I Love John's inside of the Georgia Bulldogs. He sees things clearly and explains them well when he joins us here. And, John, I want to bring you in on a discussion we were just having a moment ago. I've kind of jokingly called this Dog Nation unification. I think on the basis of some of what we're hearing with the quarterback situation for Georgia right now, some of what people have assumed I think is probably wrong. I think there are some people who have kind of thought that Kirby Smart has looked at a fully healthy JT Daniels and said, psh, this isn't my guy. You know, uh, I, I can win it without JT Daniels. Watch me go out there and do that, almost casting him into some sort of villain. Uh, I think that it's kind of silly to think that way. I think trying to make a villain out of any of the quarterbacks involved in this is frankly probably pretty silly there too. There's no doubt that what's going on with you, you get the quarterback spots a little bit weird. I've admitted that many times. But I think you're left to believe that this stark, simply drawn caricature of – uh you know a coach who wants his guy at quarterback for whatever reason folks have decided that sets a minute's his guy or the other side of this which is that somehow JT Daniels isn't answering the bell for Georgia which I think is equally frankly uh just as silly and all of that I think it's time to drop all of that to let go of the see I told you so if something goes wrong and just embrace the fact right now that through all of this Georgia has remained the number one team in the country what do you think about that
1: I am all for the dog nation unification. And this is coming from a guy who's been in the JT Daniels camp. Uh, Admittedly so. I felt like a healthy JT Daniels is what gives Georgia the best opportunity to win. And that's not the sentiments from this team and this coaching staff. What they're saying is Stetson Bennett is the guy who gives this Georgia team the best chance uh, to win in any given week. And I'm fully on board with it because they're the ones who are evaluating their play in practice and understand what they're trying to accomplish um, uh, from an offensive perspective. And they're getting the job done and, and doing so in convincing fashion. I think it's important for fans to realize that <laughs> these coaches want to win. I, having played for Sean Payton in New Orleans, uh, one, of the, one of his greatest characteristics is was that I don't care how you came to be a part of this team, the best person uh, who gives us the best opportunity to win is going to be the one who plays. And it didn't matter whether it was a uh, – I, I can think specifically back to Pierre Thomas's rookie season. Uh, he was an undrafted uh, rookie free agent out of uh, Illinois, I think is where he played college ball. And we had a drafted running back from Ohio State, and on paper, one was better than the other. And it b- became pretty obvious uh, when we played preseason who our best option was at, at running back. And it didn't matter that Pierre was undrafted. I didn't, it didn't you know, the coaches didn't care how they got here. It, they just recognized Pierre gives us the best chance to win, yeah. uh, play winning football. And so that's the horse that they rode. And I think it's a very similar situation to what we have with Stetson and JT. I want to ask From you, the outside, and, and I'm one of those guys. I thought JT was the guy, but obviously the, the staff is on board with Stetson.
0: I want to ask you two more questions about this, and then I promise we'll talk about something else for the rest of the time. Here's the first question. Do you have any problem if what CBS said on Saturday is true, and we have no reason to think it isn't, that Jordan Palmer, a private quarterback coach, came across country to work with JT some last week? Some people are going to say, well, you know, why is he working with a personal guy there? Do you have any problem with that whatsoever? I know some coaches, I want to say Gus Malzon in particular, he didn't want his guys working with private quarterback coaches. Other uh, other coaches don't seem to mind. Do you have any issue whatsoever with, with Daniels getting some help in season from a coach outside the Georgia coaching staff?
1: No, and, and here's why. I think quarterback is one of those positions, similar to like a kicker in that, Mechanics and body mechanics is a huge piece of what they do. And if there's someone who specializes in the movements of a position and they can come in and and be a direct consultant and, and help that player, then it's to the benefit of the team. I understand and hear me say that what you don't want is someone to come in and undermine the coaching that a player is getting and that's where the the contestation of those type situations comes in is because you want to be able to put it in one clear voice this is what we're doing as a team you don't want to undermine that we have coaches already yes you're exactly right and i think it's more of a complimentary situation when you're talking about a guy who's dealing with an injury that has probably very directly affected his mechanics of getting his job done, and, and there's someone that knows how his body moves from a day-to-day normal basis that can come in and help with that, uh, I, I don't see how that would be an issue. I don't think that undermines the voice that is coming from uh, the second floor at the Buttsmere building as they're going through a quarterback's meeting.
0: And then finally there's this, and I want to bring another position into this for a moment but eventually kind of circle back to quarterbacks in this. Last week Kirby Smart was asked about Dominic Blaylock. Smart made it sound like Blaylock was a long way away from playing, at least based on kind of what I took from that comment. Yet, I saw Blaylock walk into the stadium on Saturday and actually put on a uniform and was going through drills as if he could have play. It almost seems like Smart's description of what was going on with Blaylock was actually different than what reality turned out to be. Now, maybe Blaylock magically got way healthier as the week went on, but, but, you know, that Seems to stretch the imagination just a little bit. That Smart is just kind of comfortable with, you know, making an evaluation of uh, of players that doesn't always. It's not always as forthright as it could be. That's the way I guess the way I'm be, be comfortable saying that. It's not always as forthright as it could be. Do you think that Kirby Smart would help the situation by being a little bit more clear about what might have gone on here at quarterback? Because the CBS stuff on Saturday led you to believe that there was something else kind of going on which smart is just not at liberty to discuss here and he has every right not to say anything as far as uh, i guess but it would be would it be helpful here if he was more forthright about what has been going on
1: well helpful to whom right helpful to the media helpful to us on our discussions on a monday on a monday absolutely it would i think part of it for him is he's trying to put his guys in a position to win every saturday and if there is some ambiguity, who a defense has to prepare for, and that plays to his advantage, and he still has the room, uh, has the room's undivided attention when it comes to that the team room, then it's an absolute advantage to keep some cloudiness, some ambiguity as to who your starter is and, and, and the rotation and who you need to prepare for. I think the the consternation might come in if you don't feel like you've got a hold of your own room, if the team is starting to say, well, I don't know, it shouldn't be Stetson, it should be JT, and, you know, we need a clear voice, then that's the opportunity for any head coach, Coach Smart in this particular situation, to step in and use the media as a way to, to throw out that clarifier. Like, Stetson's our guy. um We feel confident in him and use the media as a mouthpiece to speak back to his team. But that's not the scenario. What what I see playing out is the team knows what's going on. It's behind closed doors. They have confidence in, in the coaching staff to make the right decision. They have confidence in Stetson to go out there and perform well, which he has. Everybody knows what he's good at, what he brings to the table, and they also know that you know he there are some limitations there and it's everything that they're willing to live with and as long as that coaching staff led by coach smart feels like they've got a good finger on the pulse of their team and they know that everyone's bought in and believes in what they're saying then they don't have to there's not a force pressing them that says I need to provide clarity and use the media to, to squash this issue because we've already done that in the House.
0: Now, all of that is to say this, that on Saturday, John, I thought George made a major statement, and I thought this was going to be a tough place for George to play. I thought the Tennessee offense was going to be a formidable test for Georgia, especially playing in its own stadium. We've seen Tennessee move the football very well in Knoxville this year, not always for the full games when they've been on the road, but at home, offenses just have a tendency to play a little bit better. And I thought Georgia passed that test with flying colors. John, at the risk of being too hyperbolic here, certainly in the entire time I've been doing Dog Nation daily, Georgia's never been playing better football than it is right now. And I don't know if this program's ever played on a week-to-week basis better than it's playing this season. And there's a mountain of statistics that kind of back that up here. Sometimes, don't you just sort of have to sit back and watch it and say, this is really something to behold here at the moment?
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's hard – Georgia fans to embrace that because of the 40 years of experience that uh, have stretched since our last national championship run but I think this game this Georgia Tennessee game started off in a very similar fashion to the Alabama Texas A&M game where you know Texas A&M there's there's really strengths to their team they they know how to move the ball at times but there's obvious flaws I mean there's a reason why they sat where they sat and how they ended up on you know this past Saturday. But they found themselves in a game with Alabama where they got a little momentum, they got some juice, and at some point in that game, if you were watching, you were like, mm, "Can can Texas A&M keep up what they're doing? Will Alabama kind of enforce their will in this game and change things? Alabama was unable to do that. Texas A&M not only sticks around, but they end up winning it. In contrast... You look at this game, Georgia-Tennessee. That first quarter, Tennessee is throwing haymakers, right? They're they're throwing their best punches, and Georgia is as well. And it, you know, it's it hadn't shaken itself out the game. It wasn't decided, obviously, at the end of that first quarter because Tennessee still had the lead, but they could not hang. Uh, Georgia did not press that panic button. They doubled down on who they were. They shut shut down Tennessee to the point where. After that first quarter, they were only able to score one more touchdown, and Georgia was able to produce 40-plus points. So I think that's the kind of difference that we see in this Georgia team is even in a game that was close and the opponent is, is throwing their best punch, Georgia never panicked. They just continued to do what they did, and they really tightened and executed at a higher level in that in that press moment. You now it, it came early. It was in the first half. And by the second half, it was, uh, I wonder how much Georgia's going to win by. But the maturity of this team to, to see and be in that kind of situation and not panic, not feel that fluster, to uh, you know, not make the mistakes that you see sometimes in those games where it's an inferior opponent that's playing at their very best, uh, and Georgia ex- extends and continues to punish them to the point where I felt like there were moments where you saw Tennessee almost give up. Uh, I think that just shows to the the special nature of this team.
0: Okay, I got three things I want to do before I let you go, John. I want to be respectful of your time, so let me see if I can uh, get through these three things with you. First of all, there's this. It's pretty late in the show for me mentioning a name that I think is really important for Georgia right now. John, I think that James Cook took a major step forward on Saturday. What a game he had. And here's what I'm going to say in response to this. You know, we hear coaches talk all the time. The Georgia coaches have said this. Players not plays when it comes to your offensive philosophy. You know, in basketball, we think about, hey, who do you want taking that last shot with the game on the line? John, there's going to be a moment this season where Georgia's going to be in a close game where it's going to need some offense. It's going to need to call a play, either a third and five to, to to get a first down that allows you to run some clock because you have the lead, or a play that you got to produce because you need to take the lead. One way or another, Georgia's going to have to make a pressure-packed Offensive play later on this season. John, I believe James Cook is the guy who I want to get the ball there in that situation. I love what the Georgia Twitter account said that his position should just be offense, and I think that's yeah. probably pretty well said. John, I don't want to have recency bias here because there have been some other guys who've given contributions for Georgia this year, but I believe that James Cook took a big step on Saturday. And if I got to get some hard offense, if I got to get some tough yards against Alabama, if I got to be my most creative, I believe finding a way to get Cook involved is is, is the thing that you got to do right there on the basis of what you saw on Saturday.
1: <laughs> my my eleven year old son Mason and my wife tease me because I've said all season long I think James Cook is our best uh, running back, and you know they, they were giving me uh, grief on Saturday because he had such a good game, and uh, they were laughing at me. But when early in the season they rated. You know who are the top ten running backs for the NFL coming out. James Cook's name wasn't on there. Zeus's was, and hear me say, I love the way Zeus runs the ball. Samir White is one of those guys that uh, every offensive lineman loves just because of his physicality. I think his vision has improved. He's a great running back. But the versatility of James Cook, his um, ability to go and play over top of a corner or if it's a mismatch, and a defense makes the mistake, which we saw against Alabama last year, and then obviously on Saturday where you're one-on-one James Cook down the sidelines and, and you've got a go route, what what quarterback doesn't love yeah. that opportunity to just lay it out there and let James Cook make, make you look like a genius? So his versatility, his playmaking ability, when we did, we did you and I, we were doing that off-season breakdown, yeah. and we started looking at the number of plays that James cooks makes between the tackles. I mean, he, he's, it's, it's impressive. It's not just, I think that's part of the development of his game. Uh, we're early on in his first couple of years in Georgia, he's a lighter guy. Um, and you saw him more as like a third down back. Let's get him in the screen game. Let's try to get mismatches and throw him the ball. Let's get him on the jet sweeps and the wide tosses. And then, you start recognizing the number of plays that he can make in between the tackles and uh, you start going, man, this guy's got, he's got a lot more tools than I think people recognize. And Saturday was a little bit of a coming out party for him because man, he's talented.
0: I want to finish with the offensive line here in a moment, but one more thing before we get there. Um, I've talked on this show about how the thing that makes Georgia go this year is not just elite talent. It's a kind of an elite, tangible, intangible vibe. There's a, there's a vibe around this team that's really producing great team success. But sometimes you just sort of have to sit back and say, wow, this talent. For instance, can you believe that at least technically speaking, Channing Tendall is a backup linebacker on this team? Like that is that is such an obnoxious level of talent. What he did on Saturday, flying all over everywhere. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed by the bodies. That Georgia can throw out there, Channing Tyndall is one of the best players in the country, and as it stands right now, he is technically speaking not a starter at UGA. That's that's remarkable.
1: It, it really is, and it, I think it also speaks to the depth and and luxury of witches, uh, riches, witches, uh, luxury of riches that Georgia has uh, experienced in these past few years due to the recruiting. And to think that you know there was question marks of is Quay Walker is Channing Tyndall – you know, were they overrated? Are they are they not the players that Georgia had thought they were when they were recruited? And to see the seasons that both of those guys are having right now, and the level of play, and the fact that uh, you know, I'd be hard pressed to think of another linebacking core that is dynamic and uh, as uh, talented as what Georgia throws out there every Saturday. It is, I think, it really speaks to one their commitment to the program, and two Georgia's. Ability to just keep the coverage stocked, slapped full with amazing talent because, man, Tyndall literally was all over that field. Um, and he's not even, you know, one of the top two names, three names that you'd list when you're talking about the linebackers at Georgia.
0: Yeah, you know, that's really amazing. I want to ask you about offensive line to wrap this up here in a moment. Before that, let me remind folks, our classic City Logger Insider Update with John Stinchcombe. We love talking Georgia football here. We also love enjoying those football game days. When you're doing that, getting ready for your tailgate and watch party at home or whatever you're doing, nothing goes better with all of that. Then Classic City Lager from Creature Comfort's Brewing Company. I like simple things in life. Classic City Lager is just good, cold beer. That's all that it is. That's all it needs to be. It's a lager-style beer, lighter in color, but it's a craft-style lager. That means there's great flavor. That's just the kind of thing I like. I like simple things well done, and that's what Classic City Lager is. A lot of you have tried it. You've made it a regular part of your weekend routine or whatever your uh, routine is for having fun with friends and family. Well, uh, uh, for those of you who have uh, done that, you can certainly pick up some more. And for those of you that are ready to try for the first time, wherever you're doing your shopping, six- and 12-pack cans, it is available all year round. It's just good cold beer. It's Classic City Lager. I'm also guessing it probably goes pretty well with some Thanksgiving turkey there too, so not too soon to start thinking about all of that. All right, John, last thing for you, and you've been gracious with your time as per usual. I thought that Georgia on Saturday got a big spark when it brought Xavier Truss in at right guard. I thought the Georgia offensive line play seemed to improve because of that. I'm not quite so sure that shouldn't be a permanent move going forward. What did you think with the insertion of Truss, and I guess your overall evaluation of the offensive line right now?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I think the fact that you can recover from losing a Jamari Salyer, who... You know, looking at some of his stats and the fact that he had, I don't know how many pass attempts he was involved in and zero sacks and such an anchor for that offensive line. And a Broderick Jones has stepped in and played so very well. And then, you know, I, I don't know exactly who was dealing with flu-like symptoms and sick, and, you know, that was a little bit of a storyline for Saturday, but it certainly seemed to be affecting you know the big boys of offensive and defensive line, which I, I, I have no confirmation of this, but I think Warren Erickson was one of the guys that uh, was affected by that kind of bug that was floating through the locker room. Yeah, uh, to have the ability to to plug players in, like we've seen at wide receiver, but really I think the difference between your major programs is is your big bodies, your offensive and defensive line, and to fa- the fact that. Early on, uh, when Warren was your center and Cedric Von Pron, Granger was ready and able to secure that center spot, and it gave you some flexibility and pushed Warren out to guard, and uh, to see Broderick step in at that that tackle spot, that's the difference, right? That's what makes these great teams truly special. Uh, I think back to the, the bowl game where Georgia's playing Cincinnati, and arguably the biggest play in the game was when... Cincinnati had to replace their tackle, and Aziz Ojolari was licking his chops and began to feast on the fact that um, their number six was a huge drop-off from their starting five. And, you know, Georgia has the ability to say, you know what, we lost a guy and we're going to continue to do what we do and not have to adjust and hide the fact that not just our sixth, not our seven. You know, it's already to our seventh or eighth offensive lineman is in the game, and we're still churning right along. Uh, it really bodes well, and speaks to the again, it's the depth that Georgia has that separates them from the other teams.
0: I think I that's exactly right, John. Great analysis, great opinions, and everything happened with UGA. I really appreciate you on all of that i'll see you this thursday thursday afternoon the dog nation video channels will come back for chase for the championship the show we started last week breaking down those college football playoff rankings looking at who joins georgia as the top contenders for the national championship i know we'll have plenty to discuss there and i will see you on the dog nation video channels to do just that here later on this week john
1: looking forward to it ba go dogs
0: thank you john Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, so before we're done today, one of the things we're also going to do is, speaking of chase for the championship, we've got a huge chase for the championship event taking place before the SEC championship. We'll going to give you all the details about that, including how you can get tickets to be a part of what is going to be a gigantic, gigantic moment for Dog Nation. That is coming up here in just a uh, little bit. We'll make sure uh, we give you all the deets that you need for that. For now, though, let's get ready to go cruise in the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Let's get ready to think about great time to be back on the seas again. Great time to take a cruise vacation with Royal Caribbean and a great chance to take advantage of one of the, really one of the coolest ships on the seas. Uh, the ship that's really kind of. Setting a new standard for cruise vacation. I'm talking about Odyssey of the Seas. Now, the cool thing about Odyssey of the Seas is is a lot of its destinations, a lot of its trip itineraries will include Perfect Day, Coco K, which is always a great thing. But just the Odyssey of the Seas in and of itself is kind of already uh a, a destination. It's an unbelievable cruise experience, which features the very best of Royal Caribbean. I'm talking about look at the I mean if you're watching a video, look at that ship. Look how good this thing looks. It's gigantic. Uh, it's an unbelievable kind of next level of where you know things have been with the Royal Caribbean fleet. You've got all kinds of stuff. Of course, the uh, ice skating that you've had there for a while. You got the the bumper cars. You got you know the just unbelievable dining experiences. You got the specialty restaurants like Chop's Grill and so much else going on when it comes to Odyssey of the Seas and so many great destinations that it's going to there as well. Just a great time to be taking advantage of all of that. So. Check out uh, my friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority to learn more about this and really kind of plan your vacation today. Go to tcava.com the cruise and vacation authority that website tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 once again 770-952-8300 you want to work with folks who know royal caribbean backwards and forwards when it comes to getting the best i should say maybe forward and aft i guess that's probably the best way to say that when it comes to a royal caribbean shift that is what uh cruise and vacation authority can do for you then get you a great one, so make sure you check all of that out today. The Odyssey of the Seas, by the way, you got to just go online and look at that. It's an unbelievable cruise ship, unbelievable cruise ship all the way around. All right, we got some business to take care of as we're cruise run the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And something we take very seriously around here is our duty, our obligation as the chief gator haters, myself, Eddie, the mascot for Dog Nation Daily. We know it's very important for us to mock Florida anytime there is some mockery to be done. Folks, there is some mockery to be done. I, t- I told you earlier that uh, I was you know, there at the gate when Georgia was arriving on Saturday. I had a chance to talk with a lot of Georgia fans there before UGA showed up for kind of an impromptu dog walk on the road. And the one thing we were all talking about at the time was Florida really struggling with Samford. Not Stanford, Samford with an M, Samford. Uh, Florida apparently can't get away from those Bulldogs because the same way UGA roughed them up in Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago, They were having a hard time with the Bulldogs of Samford this past Saturday. And eventually they finally pulled away and won. But it was like 70-something to 50-something. It's like a basketball-type score. And then after the game, in one of the most embarrassing chapters in, I mean this literally, one of the most embarrassing chapters in Florida football history, I think we have some video to show here of the team. This is the celebration in the locker room after Florida beat Samford now listen I am very slow to want to mock players even players to play for Florida I like mocking Dan Mullen because he makes millions for the most part I'm kind of hands off to players but how much I mean like how how, what do you think of yourself if this is how happy you are for eking out a win against Samford and Dan Mullen's right there in the middle you know dancing and doing all that kind of stuff there was a quote from Mullen at the end of the game that's gotten a lot of attention about you know uh, how happy you're supposed to be after a win like that Mullen's quote is Calling a win disappointing is disrespectful to the game? That's what Dan Mullen's saying right there, that that if we're not happy about this win, we're disrespecting the game? Ask any Florida fan what they think about that. Forget what Gatorator thinks about that. Forget what Eddie the Blind Squirrel thinks about that. Ask a Florida fan right now. What do you think about Dan Mullen saying it'd be disrespectful not to dance like that all goofy after a win against Sanford? I can promise you Florida fans will give you more than an earful their feelings on that. Now, you've already had Pete the Mel and Pat Forty and a lot of these national voices who are now essentially saying that Dan Mullen needs to be and will be fired. I thought that, but just given the fact that ADs don't want to fire head coach unless they have to, that Mullen moving on from Grantham and moving on from John Hevesy, kind of casting them as scapegoats for the issues of the program, I thought that might be enough to save his job. But honestly, after this display on Saturday where they had to, like, play for a full 60 minutes just to beat Sanford. I think it's fairly obvious that Dan Mullen's lost that team. And some of what you see going on with like, you know, uh uh Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, where you're just kind of left to wonder, do these players want to play for this dude? I mean, I think at this point in time, Dan Mullen just runs a really what's the opposite of a tight ship? Is it a loose ship? Dan Mullen just kind of runs a kind of a loose, casual ship. He's just not committed to what it takes to be a winning program so Florida can either either endure more embarrassment or fire him and I know that I've heard from a lot of y'all who are like hey we need to start a GoFundMe to keep him there to uh, to to keep him from getting fired you want to keep Dan Mullen there forever well with displays like that I think it's easy to understand why you might want to this was just a humiliating chapter just an absolutely humiliating chapter for Florida it's almost like I'm like I'm sort of sad for them like as much as I like making fun of them at a certain point you're like Golly, have some, have some self-respect of some kind. Let me get a few more of these SEC scores in here there as well. Uh, it was not good for Auburn. Probably the the worst Saturday, given the fact that Florida at least did win, the worst Saturday, at least of the teams that lost, may have actually belonged to Auburn. They were up 28-3. to Please, no jokes about that here in the Atlanta area. But they were up 28-3 to at one point against Mississippi State, and Mississippi State came back and got a 43-34 win. And all of a sudden, I think the feeling around the uh, Brian Harson year one is completely different. I think that Harson was very much a part of the SEC coach of the year conversation prior to what happens on Saturday. I think he was distinguishing himself as, hey, he's not quite at the Georgia Alabama level, but he may be the best team in the next level. You know, he may have he may have kind of been that team. Remember, he beat Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and had he won against Mississippi State, he was going to set up an Iron Bowl that would have decided the SEC West. You can't ask much more from a first-year coach than that. But now because of this result and because Ole Miss also beat Texas A&M, all of a sudden now the, the, the SEC West is kind of jumbled up. And what's really the difference between the second-year coaches, guys like Pittman, Kiffin, uh, Leach, and a first-year coach like Brian Harson, given the fact that Auburn's supposed to be the better of those programs, right now they're just all kind of jumbled up together. There was a lot of give back from Harson. And I think what you're left to wonder is he clearly showed you a lot of growing pains and culture shock at the beginning of the season or in the beginning of his first year as the the Auburn coach. Kind of come across at times a little uncomfortable with just how intense the pressure is here in the SEC. You kind of wonder, is Harson really ready for that? I hope he's not going to fool himself into thinking he's having a good season because I think the loss to Mississippi State kind of renders that a conversation that you can't really have anymore. You can't really give yourself credit for being you know, winning team. They may actually exceed their uh, Vegas over under here before it's all said and done, but most Auburn fans are not going to be happy with this result. Uh, we talked about Missouri holding on against South Carolina. We expect that to happen, and it did. South Carolina could not keep the momentum going from its uh, win against Florida. Not, not a big surprise there. Admittedly, we are more surprised about AM losing to Ole Miss, and listen, this is one of those things where you know, Ole Miss is kind of turning out to be what Texas AM was supposed to be, and you can obviously give the excuses of well, A&M had an injured starting quarterback. That's true. I think the overall program outlook for A&M is still really strong. They're obviously red hot on the recruiting trail. We talked about that on Friday, but this is Lane Kiffin really living into the most optimistic assessments for what he could be. Now, the the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night is just going to be gigantic. I mean, I mean that's just going to absolutely be gigantic. Uh, two great personalities between Leach and Kiffin playing the kind of game against each other that a lot of folks in the Magnolia State hoped it would be. Well, now it's going to be. And you got to give credit that that you know they're in the top ten now the AP poll. Uh, they have a chance at a very pretty record, kind of stealing some of the spotlight that A&M had earned for itself after A&M beat Alabama. Lane Kiffin doing some big things there on that front. And uh, good job by Sam Pittman going to LSU, getting the win against LSU, uh, the Golden Boot Trophy. Pittman said he was going to display that thing right in the middle of the football facility there at Fayetteville. He's done just that. All of a sudden now you're looking at a uh, an Arkansas team. What's their record? Seven and three. Is that what they are? Yeah, seven and three. Um, honestly, that's not bad. I mean, think about where Arkansas was before Pittman took over. And to think they're seven and three right now at a chance at a very good-looking bowl. Uh, he's done a good job there. He, he has done a really good job there. With that program. They were in the college ball playoff top 25 last week. Expect them to be moving up here a little bit this week. And I think you've got to give them a lot of credit for that. And we'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. All right. So I told you I'd tell you about this. Let me do that right now. We are going to have so much fun on the day of the SEC championship. In fact, a couple of y'all on Saturday in Knoxville were like, hey, why don't you do a Dog Nation invasion to uh, Knoxville? And I said, listen, right now we've got all systems pointed towards the big day for the SEC championship. We're calling it Chase for the championship. We're building up to that over the course of the next few weeks with our extra shows. Our uh, John Stinchcomb and I breaking down the playoff rankings. But Chase for the championship, going to be in Atlanta on that Saturday. Now, first of all, can we just pause on this for a moment for those of you watching on video? I, I, I realize that um, if you're not on uh, video, you can't see this. But can we talk about this chase for the championship logo? I think this turned out really well. Like you're getting off for Atlanta, but instead of exit only, it says elite only. I hope you're catching that. But look at the, uh, the highway sign there, if you notice, like inside the highway sign, the the thing holding it together is almost like a playoff bracket look how i feel like this is actually pretty cool our team here did a great job putting this together of course it starts in atlanta you hope it concludes in indianapolis we're going to celebrate there that day with our chase for the championship tailgate it's going to be at the home depot backyard it's presented by kroger it's saturday from 12 until 3 p.m the day of the sec championship open bar open food entertainment uh, you get a chase for the championship dog nation t-shirt, which is going to be a fun thing to wear throughout the month of December as Georgia makes its pursuit for a national championship. Because right now folks, that's what it seems like Georgia is doing. I hope you've noticed that you can go to dognation.com for more information. Literally. If you go to dog nation right up there at the top of the page, There's going to be a thing you can click into. Get your tickets for this. Y'all, this is going to be a gigantic party. Ask anybody who came to our last one. We did the start of the season back in Charlotte. I think they all had a great time. This is going to be so much fun. I know there's all kinds of uh, things going on behind the scenes about getting ready for this and making this a party that's befitting of the moment that we're in. A very special Georgia season requires a very special party. Open bar, open food, entertainment, chase for the championship Dog Nation t-shirt. What a thing it's going to be. DogNation.com. Get your tickets there. Get them before they're gone, because this stuff always sells out really, really fast. So... We're going to try to make as many spaces available as we can right there in the Home Depot backyard. You can't be closer to the stadium than this. You, you can't be closer to the stadium than this. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So dognation.com for more details on that. All right, so Golden Shoe here today. And literally, this is like a throwback to the very beginning because somehow, some way. Florida players just love throwing shoes like Marco Wilson did that last year against LSU. That's the thing that actually started the golden shoe here on our show. Well, lo and behold, in the NFL, Carlos Dunlap, a player for the Seattle Seahawks, has done the same dadgum thing. Can we show this here? I think we have Dunlap. Watch this. Left side of your screen there just takes the shoe and throws it. Uh, Lucas uh, Dallewanowski shares this on Twitter. The former Gator doing that. Marco Wilson actually retweeted this video himself. Like, what's with the Florida people in the throwing of the shoes? Dunlap's already apologized for doing this. But how come Florida guys are so goofy? I'll never understand any of that in my entire life. So, golden shoe for another shoe. Certainly perfect there on that. How about the lousy stinking Gators? Georgia goes back to Jacksonville 348 days from right now and gets another win there. We love to think about that. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time off the RS Andrews podcast cool down. We appreciate you being here with us. And I'm going to have to be quick today. I said this during the regular show. This is not just a copy for a ad read. This really is true. My wife had some car trouble today, so i got to go help her take care of that. So let me get ready to bounce out of here. Uh, I want to mention a couple of uh, comments. First of all, a lot of folks responded back to something I said on Twitter on Saturday. Y'all, it is a beautiful scene when you see Neyland Stadium emptying out when you see all those Tennessee fans heading for the hills literally speaking when you see that happening and you see the Georgia fans left over there that's just a sight that never quite gets old our our uh, good friend Miriam Martin Corbin weighed in on that She says, "I hate playing there so seeing that stadium emptying out means we're winning big and going home that's boy, that's great to see uh uh Chubby Zeus also said that he thought maybe there were 30,000 Georgia fans there yeah I wonder about that because obviously a 100,000 seat stadium and You know, I'm I'm not very. You know, like the the game where you like walk into somewhere and like, hey, guess how many golf balls are in the bucket. I'm never very good at stuff like that, so I'm not good at estimating things. Um, Thirty thousand seems like a lot, but I know I sat next to Mike Griffith the game, and he thought it was like a high number like that too. Twenty five percent to me, it seemed like it was a little less than that. But I'm also very bad at estimating those kinds of things. You could certainly tell when they did the fourth quarter thing and you did you know all the georgia fans brought their cell phones out you could see a lot of georgia fans there then so it was a huge number of fans in the stadium to be sure um big big number there uh, of folks kind of checking in on that also uh some folks had some jd to nyc signs in the stadium i appreciate that that's always really cool to see um andrew bullard writes in to say What do you think about Stetson Bennett's emergence as the starter? It's clear to me that the only reason he's starting is his run ability. Could it be that this is a precursor to a future mobile UGA quarterback? I mean, obviously, Georgia likes Stetson's mobility, and we saw on Saturday some of the reasons why. But to say that's the only reason, I think you have to go back to what we said on today's show, which is that clearly there is a lot going on with the Georgia quarterback situation, and it could be that we're just not made aware of all of it. And I'm doing this before Kirby Smart does his press conference. Maybe more of that will come out today. Maybe Smart will be asked directly about some of the stuff in the CBS uh, telecast. But I think you're led to believe that this situation has not been what some people have thought it was, which is that Georgia looked at a completely, fully healthy JT Daniels, someone who was raring to go, and said, we don't want you anymore. We've decided we don't like you anymore. We like this guy instead somehow, some way, that's not quite what's happened. And that's why I think the whole dog nation unification thing is kind of easy to get behind. And as some of our video on it's pointed out, this is not unifying around Stetson, this is unifying around UGA. This is unifying around Georgia's pursuit for national championship and just kind of assuming the best of all parties. The Kirby Smart's not some you know, a monomaniacal uh, coach who's so obsessed with his own ego that he, you know, just going to be, you know, show flippant disregard for a former five-star like JT Daniels, nor is it a situation where somehow Daniels is not answering the bell, the challenge that Georgia's put forward for him, that we don't have any logical reason not to assume the best of all parties, that Smart wants to do what's best for UGA, that Daniels is working very hard to be available to Georgia, Maybe there's a chance that just quite hasn't been the case as of yet. And that's kind of something that uh, you heard at least suggested on the CBS broadcast. So I think that's the clue that you need, that not all the information involved in the situation is made public. And maybe it's never made public. But the one thing that we do have publicly available to us are the results, that things are working out well for Georgia. A weird quarterback situation has seemingly been endured or overcome or however you want to describe it. And that even with this issue baked into the cake of what's happening for Georgia right now, things are truly very good. So I'm ready to enjoy it. I'm ready to get wrapped up in the intensity of it all. And, you know, from Thanksgiving until Valentine's Day, you know, we may not sleep five minutes. It may be that kind of thing where you're just going on with this crazy wild ride but could you ever ask for a more fun team to go on that ride with than the one that Georgia currently has? I don't think you could. So that is that, and thanks for being with us here today. R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Make sure you find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. You can trust R.S. Andrews to do that for you today. We will see you tomorrow. Uh, back here for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window Indoor of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.